0: Thank you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? I'm overwhelmed by his goodness and his blessings and his kindness and his mercy. And uh, I don't want to go through what Paul went through, but we've mentioned it before. um, That Paul was just freshly beaten. Uh, He was freshly chained, right? They put him in a prison cell and he did what all of us would do. He thought that's a perfect time to worship the Lord, right? Just like we all would have, right? Right. And so, you know, what he recognized and what I've been experiencing this year is that God is always good. And I don't want to have to get put into a situation where I can really say, let's put your money where your mouth is kind of thing and have to go through it to see if we'll do what Paul did. But God is good. And Paul had experienced that. He had tapped into that uh, special place with God where he knew God's presence, and he knew that God was worthy of worship and praise, regardless of his situation. And that's what we must do right now. We've been doing that this year, but more than ever, we must praise the Lord this year. We must praise the Lord right through this election, right through the end of 2020. Listen, nothing magical is going to change on January 1st, 2021. All right, Everybody's like, let's get 2020 over with, get into 2021, as if something's going to magically just turn, you know, day on January 1st. Let's be realistic here, all right? We are in this season, and we must embrace like the Lord's been telling us to, and we're while we're embracing, because sometimes you just have to endure a season. We're going to keep giving him praise. We're going to keep giving him honor. We're going to keep giving him glory, right? Amen, and then While we're doing that, we're also praying for the situation. But honestly, most importantly is just really to praise and worship him. To praise and worship him. He deserves to be praised and worshiped, even though we know that there's a mission, that we know that there's something to be prayed for. We know how important it is to pray right now. We must praise and worship the Lord. We must understand that that's what it's all about. And and I started to intro into that last week, and then I wasn't sure why I didn't continue down that road, but the Lord had somewhere He wanted me to get to. So I kind of want to grab a hold of what I was preaching on last week in the beginning. And, uh, I mean, I wanted to get somewhere, and I believe we did that because I was a third, uh, third uh, sermon from Nehemiah. And I believe the Lord spoke something there, but there was something that I started to tap into— and I want to kind of grab a hold of that and bring it into this sermon, which is that we need to draw on Jesus. And I even titled last week, even though really it was about um, Nehemiah dealing with, you know, the devil trying to draw him away. The Our strategy is to draw on Jesus. But I want to go deeper into that. I don't want to talk about the devil today. I don't want to talk about what's going on around your life, situations around your life, situations in this world. I just want to talk about our opportunity, our invitation that Jesus has given us to come to him and to be one with him, and how amazing that is. It's a very simple sermon, but it's the heart of the gospel, and it's the heart of the whole Bible. The heart of this whole thing. If we just endure, and we just get through persecution, and we just get through the book of Revelation, and we just get through, you know, whatever we have to go through in this life, and, and we champion those things, and we get to heaven and think that we did it, we have missed it. All of those things are things that may happen in your life and things you have to go through, but if you're doing it just to get through it as if it's some sort of human battle or some sort of spiritual battle without a personal relationship with the one who empowers us, then we've missed it. We must pray. I can't stress it enough. If you didn't pray last week, then certainly pray this week. I know we've been praying, but my point is that we're just praying deeper and deeper and we're going deeper and deeper. And I I know the seriousness of the moment, the seriousness of the times are increasing. And so with that said, I'm not being, uh, I'm not negating that, but we must focus on Jesus. We're going to have to just shut it out, focus on him, and he is going to give us, honestly, better prayers to pray anyway. (laughs) Out of his heart and out of his will will come a prayer that will be sharp. You know, I never saw the devil able to stop Jesus when he prayed. I never saw the world able to stop Jesus when he said something. Nobody could fight against him. They tried to argue with him, and it didn't matter how they squirmed in their argument and tried to trick him. Jesus knew the heart before they even said it. So imagine if we were in his heart, and he was in us, right? You've been reading with us, along with us, right? We've been reading John, and um, we read John 15. That was yesterday's reading, right? So yesterday's or the day before's reading, and so it says that we are one. We are in unity, I in him, he in me, a oneness. So that means that my intimacy with him, my oneness with him, will bring his words out, his prayers out, his resolution out, his steadfastness out, and his is going to be better than mine. Just say that out loud through your mask. His is going to be better than mine. All right, his words, his tenacity... right, his strength. I want us to look at some things here that I believe the Lord's got for us. And I just want to start with the verse I started with last week, which is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And this is the beginning to the armor of God, but I loved how the amplified, I kept feeling like it was turning in my spirit, like the Lord had a particular phrase, and I'm like, where is it? Where is it in the Word? And I found some different phrases. I'm like, yeah, that's close, but there's somewhere the Lord's trying to get me, and this is what I found. It was Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 in the Amplified. It says, to be strong in the Lord, which we know, right? We know that's Ephesians six ten, and we know that it comes from his strength and his power, but I love how it was really broken down of what this verse means, and that's what the Amplified's trying to do, is try to give you the meaning behind the Word. So, Be empowered through your union with him, what we were just talking about. Draw, everybody say, draw your strength from him. There's a drawing from him. There's a drawing from the Lord that we must do. And I'm going to jump right from here straight into what the Lord wants us to say. Your human body, and Dawn could school you on this much better than me because it's what she's into. She knows the science of it. I don't know the science of it, so she's going to correct me when we get home, I'm sure. Your human body needs X amount of calories a day. There's some more science to that, too. There's some other parts to it. At the end of the day, if you have hit your calories, you will maintain a particular weight if you have a deficit in those calories you will start to lose weight if you have an excess of those calories you will gain weight okay very simple there's some more to it and our spirit man is exactly the same as your human body which means there is a minimum We can have an excess, the Bible says, there's an overflowing that he really wants from us, and there could be a deficit. I've said this before, I'm going to say it today, this is not a clever line, not trying to be funny, but I'm sitting on that front row and I'm preaching to myself today. As I preach to you, I'm preaching to myself that this is what the Lord has spoken to me for today that we're in a deficit. We're struggling. You know what happens when you don't get your calories? You feel it, don't you? Who knows when you need to eat? We're very obvious. We've been going through some fasting in this season, so it's become very, very clear that when I need to eat, I mean, I already knew that, but I really know it now, that I feel it. I feel run down. I feel drained. Now, here's where I want to come Bring us to the second part of that thought that the Lord really gave me. It's this. I can then, especially when you're fasting, especially when you're hungry, what's human nature to do? Grab the quick and the easy, the sweet and the treats, junk. What will your body feel like? I'm not talking about in hours, because we know where I'm going with this. What will it feel like instantly? It'll feel satisfied. Instantly, it'll feel full. Your taste buds are certainly instantly satisfied. But what you've done is you have falsely filled something that was designed to be filled with something else. Now, if I'm hungry and I fill that hunger with junk and I go to sleep, every day, I could go to sleep with the, the understanding, a false perception that I'm feeding myself because I don't feel hungry at the end of the day. I rest, I sleep, I wake up, and I do it again. When I'm hungry, give it chunk. Now, long term, that human body that does that will end up in the hospital or end up on a medication or worse, right? If you do that forever. Our spirit can be filled with junk food and feel satisfied and go to bed. You can do it. You can fill the spiritual need in you with a false sense of filled and go to sleep and not know it until all of a sudden my heart doesn't feel right. I'm being rushed to the hospital. It was years and years and years and years of neglect. Now, thank God, God's grace and mercy and his sermons and his Christian radio and his fellow believers don't let that happen to us, right? There used to be a saying, friends don't let friends drive drunk, Right? Well, Christians don't let Christians eat junk. (laughs) Hopefully, if you've got good friends and and family uh, that are of the Lord in your life, they tell you, Hey, I'm starting to notice some decay. I'm starting to notice some decline. Or you're starting to show signs that maybe you're in decline, not that we're judging each other there, right? There's a, there's a Christian that judges the other Christian, and then there's the Christian like, hey, I really, I'm concerned for you. I'm noticing you, you're starting to swear a little bit. What's, where's that coming from? What are you doing? You're starting to get a little extra moody. You, start, you just seem like you're just not really interested in the word anymore. You just want to talk about politics all the time, even though that's an important issue. It's not an issue we need to talk about all the time or whatever. And I believe that the Lord's speaking to us today that we need to flush our system and start pouring in much, much more of the health (laughs) that our spirit is desperately in need of. Our spirit man is desperate. I I wish I could express what I could actually see in the spirit, I see an absolutely starving man. A man that is so desperately hungry for just one droplet of water, hungry for one crumb of food, one droplet of water. That's what I see. And the Bible says that we don't need to live like that. The Bible says that there's A woman, she came to Jesus. Well, they met at a well. She didn't realize she was coming to Jesus. She came to a moment that the Lord had arranged for her. The Bible says that Jesus tells her, Draw out some water for me. She says, You don't have a bucket. The well's deep. How are you going to get the water out? And the Lord gives her an offer. The Lord offers something that she didn't understand. Something that was outside of her understanding. He said to her, if you only knew. (laughs) If you only knew. See, something in her Mentality, something in her had blocked out the real need in her for Jesus. She had filled it with men. He says, Go get your husband. Don't you love when Jesus just says it like it is? She says, I don't have a husband. He said, That's right. You don't have a husband, you had a whole bunch of husbands. And you're living with a man now. It's not your husband. Jesus offers her living water. Water from in him. And he said to her, if you only knew. She'd ask him for a drink. And I want to say this. Jesus has a deep well within him. And he is willing to give of that well to whoever asks. And we will be satisfied and never thirsty. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 6, actually before I go there, the Bible says I want to go here first. The Bible says in the book of Mark, let's look at this. In the book of Mark, we find another woman. Starting in verse 24, Mark chapter 5, verse 24. It says that Jesus had a crowd around him. Everybody say Jesus was crowded. In fact, the new King James says, a great multitude of, followed him, and thronged him. The word throngs specifically or the implication of what was happening here was that there was a crowd around Jesus that was moving like one organism, right? Who's ever been in a crowd like that where the crowd moves you? You don't move, you know, like, I want to get to that place. You're trying to cut through a crowd. Maybe you've been to a concert at some point in your life. It's kind of what it's like because everybody wants to be here and nobody cares that you need to get there, right? You ever been in one of those crowds? And, you you know, it's moving you as you're trying to move through it. That's what was happening here. In fact, it's even the picture of, of a violent. They're thronging him specifically, too, not just that the crowd is like that, but grabbing at him, They're so close to him that their crowd is basically on top of him. And it says in verse 25 that a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she hadn't gotten, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse, the Bible says. This woman was experiencing something in the earth, experiencing something in her body that is part of the fall, part of the curse. God didn't do this to her. And it has nothing to do with one woman not having the issue and she has the issue. It wasn't her fault and the other woman is better. It's just the fact that this woman was living in a fallen existence. We live born in sin. Do we get that, right? It's not her fault and it's not another woman's righteousness. She's just living in sin, living, not, she's living in sin, doesn't know that, but she's under the curse of sin. Does that make sense? We're all in sin, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What she was experiencing, though, is a spiritual picture of what we are going through without Jesus. The world cannot satisfy. I don't want you to say that out loud. The world cannot satisfy. For 12 years, she spent everything she had. For 12 years, she suffered and went through everything she could do to get better. And for 12 years, she had not only not gotten better, but she got worse. There are ways to satisfy the spiritual need inside of us for Jesus, but it does not last, and there is no substance to it. It will not ultimately satisfy, but some people, they fill it with money. Some people, they fill it with pleasure. Some people, they fill it with chasing adventure. Some people fill it with being a workaholic. There's all kinds of ways. Some people go the other way, and they say, forget the world, and they drown themselves out with substances. One way or the other, they're trying to fill this need inside of us to be satisfied, to be one again with the Lord, like we were originally designed. It says in verse 27 that, She had heard, everybody say she heard, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. I want to say a statement, it's not enough to know that Jesus is the answer. I want you to say that out loud, it's not enough to know that Jesus is the answer. How many people say, thank God, and they don't even know what they're saying? People even say the name of Jesus. Jesus is my Lord, even though my life certainly doesn't look like it. <laughs> she heard about him, and she put action to her hearing, right? And the Lord loves that, doesn't he? We see through the word. How many times does the Lord respond when they put action to the hearing? Not hearers only, but doers of the word, right? Amen? So it says that she heard... And she cut through the crowd and touched his robe. The Bible says there was a crowd, again, that was thronging him. There was a crowd so tight to him that Jesus was being moved about with the crowd. That's what, again, just that thronging, right? Jesus is being moved about with the crowd, and yet there's a woman who cuts through that, cuts through the the movement of the world around Jesus. Cuts through the religion. She cuts through the curiosity. Some people, they want to be around God because they're curious. Some people, they want to be around him because it's just what they're used to. It's what they've known. It's what they've been taught. Or there's something that makes them think, I'll be better if I'm just religious and I go through these motions. But she knew that he was the answer to her need, to her Deficit. In fact, even just the picture of the bleeding, we are bleeding. You know, there's a spiritual picture. Don't you love the pictures of the Word? Don't you love that? Anybody in here love that? I love that the Word tells us a story, but it also are their pictures. And her bleeding is a spiritual picture that we are bleeding out. And and you know your blood. Ultimately is your energy, right? You can ask Jimmy. Jimmy's given more blood than anybody in here. Once you give blood, what do they make you do? You need to rest a little while. You need to have some orange juice or something. You need to take a break because you're going to feel a little, a little less energized, to put it lightly, right? But, you know, you could pass out. She was literally living on steam. Imagine just constantly dealing with this issue. You would have no energy, she was bleeding out, and there was an answer for her in him. And so it says that, verse 28, she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, or you may know it as the hem of his garment, or the fringe of his robe, different translations. If I can just barely touch him, I just need to get close to Jesus. I know that Jesus is what I need. This is a pretty simple elementary sermon, and I think it's exactly what we need to hear today and those of you listening on the podcast that you need to be reminded of, that simplicity of Jesus, the simplicity that through it all, it's just about being in unity with him, being one with our God. Immediately, it says in verse 29, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. And it says this it says, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. This is such an interesting miracle because it's a miracle where I can't say Jesus is not involved. But it's a miracle that Jesus didn't directly do. She drew it from him. She literally came and drew power out of Jesus. Now, I don't think this miracle would have happened if it was, if I can just touch the hem of his garments, I can draw one billion dollars out of him. I believe that the Lord is going to, the miracle came because of the simplicity, because of the heart because of the intention, and we're going to get to it, too. Jesus tells us exactly why she received it. But the right heart, with the right heart before the Lord, we are actually, and I believe this is what the Lord wants us to do, and I believe this is what he was offering the woman at the well. He told her to draw out of the well, but obviously he didn't care about the well, and he didn't care about that water. He was about to have a lesson with this woman about... To show her something that and she implies she says it's deep it's deep and the Lord is really was pointing to himself there's a deep well within him there's a drawing that if you're willing you can draw out from me and the Bible says not only see now this is amazing because it says he turned around in the crowd and he asked who touched my robe Who touched me? Jesus asked. Who touched me? See, the Bible really shows us here in the story that it's not enough to hear, and it's not enough to just get near. It's not even enough to brush up against Jesus occasionally. I'm just going to get close to him. From time to time, I'll get close to him from a week-to-week basis. You know, I really feel like from the Lord, this is going to sound harsh, but again, I'm on the front row with you. The Lord is not satisfied with you even getting close to him at every devotion. This is my devotion time with you. The Lord is not satisfied with that. I'm not talking about heaven and hell. We're not even touching that because we're not baby Christians, are we? This is not a church of baby Christians. I'm not talking about heaven and hell. I'm not talking about if you don't spend time with them, you're going to go to hell. This is talking about what the Lord really wants for us and what he's offering to us. The Lord is desperate for our communion with him. And if we realize, that's why Jesus said to her, if you only knew, if you only knew, I feel like the Lord is saying with open arms and with tears in his eyes, if you only knew what I'm willing, what's within me, you can come and draw it, draw it out on me because I love you. You know, sometimes the children, right? You have children, they come and they nag you and they grab on you. And you give to them as they're nag, drawing on you, not because you are obligated, but because of your love to them. Amen. The Lord gives us gifts without us even knowing it. The Lord has saved our lives without us even knowing it. The Lord's got angels around us without even knowing it. And all of that is because of his love and his grace and his mercy. And he's so good. And eternity is set when you, are, when you know him. And it's not about if you spent time with him on Sunday or spend time with him seven days a week. We're not even talking about your salvation. I'm talking about this relationship, this drawing, this place that we are able to have in him that we don't take advantage of enough. And he said, I love this, I love, I love, I love what the Bible says, it says, and the NLT translates it this way, it says, his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you, how can you ask who touched me? Isn't this amazing? Wouldn't you assume that everybody would be healed and everybody would be jumping around and rejoicing because if all it is is just touching him, then they would all be healed. If all it is is just hearing about the name of Jesus, attending a church, opening your word, and say, okay, let's see what you can do. In fact, I know that's exactly what the crowd was doing, and if we have time, I'll just try to touch on that quickly. But uh, if not, I'll just, just believe me for right now, that's exactly what the crowd was doing. They just wanted to be there because crowds want to be with crowds. Have we experienced that this year? (laughs) Riots just want to be with riots. Sometimes they don't even know why they are. There there might be a real heart to the the core people, but other people just join because it's fun to be with people. Or they're just dumb. I'm not talking about now. I'm just talking in general. And they're like sheep and just sheep follow sheep. A lot of the crowd's just there because this is interesting. Who is this Jesus? What can he do? Let's see something. I want to see what's going to happen. And so the crowd is literally up against him. I'm saying it again, not because you didn't hear me, but I really want you to get this picture of how close they got to Jesus, and yet they didn't touch him. You can get so close to Jesus that you're literally touching him in the natural. I'm touching you in every, Lord, I go to church, I sing the songs, I open the Bible study, I'm opening the word, and yet there's a depth, there's a, you haven't reached in and really touched him yet. And again, I'm not talking about if you believe him. It says, believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about there's something in Jesus that he has offered to us that we don't grab a hold of enough. And I love it says, the, it says well, quickly before I move there, I just want to just mention this. You know what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8? He says, these people, they draw near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In John chapter 6, before I read the rest of the story, I just want to just make this point. And uh, it says that Jesus fed the 5,000. Amazing miracle, right? What an amazing miracle. Jesus feeds the 5,000. You guys remember the story. You think those people would have been set for life, right? I just saw Jesus supernaturally take this little tiny basket from a little, from a little boy of some loaves and fish, and he fed all of us supernaturally. I don't know how he did it. Son of God, I'm in for life. We're done. And yet, it tells us in John chapter 6, it says that the next day, everybody say the next day, that's how quickly... We move from moment to moment, from experience to experience. We're in church on Sunday, and then it's like, oh, wow, it's Monday, right back in the world. Bleepity bleep. At the stoplight, because they're sitting at another green light. I swear, the light's green. It's not going to get any greener. Nobody cares about you that much. You can check your phone later. That's not me. I'm just creating a scenario of somebody else, somebody that would do something like that. The next day, it says that the crowd realized that Jesus had left, so they they go across and they find him. And it says, they found him, in verse 25, on the other side of the lake, and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Verse 27, but don't be so concerned about perishable things. Now, it says like food, but I think that Jesus would apply this to everything else in our lives. Don't think that our relationship is just me taking care of you and me protecting you and me blessing you and me giving you everything you need and giving you a good life and welcoming you into eternity. It's not that I don't want to do that or even won't do that. Jesus wasn't even saying that he was mad that he had to feed them or that he wouldn't do it again. He's just telling them that's not what it's about. Is that a mouthful that you guys get that? He said, that's not what it's about. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And then it says in verse 32, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, who knows? that when six o'clock rolled around and Jesus is speaking to them at lunchtime, they were hungry and thirsty. What was Jesus talking about? He's not talking about your human body. He was talking about the spiritual body, which implies that your spiritual body is hungry and thirsty on a normal basis. If he's telling us that I have the ability to satisfy that then that implies that there's a need for it. Does that make sense? I think you might call this circular reasoning of some sort, something like that. The implication is that there is a hunger and there is a thirst, and we don't even know it. And we think it's this human condition. We think it's this human body. We think that it's something else. But it's only Jesus. It will only ever be Jesus. And he made that clear to them. Going back over to Mark chapter 5, I love what happens here in verse 32. They're asking him, Lord, how can you say you touched you? The whole crowd is touching you. And it says in verse 32, but he kept looking around to see who had done it. Now, I find this so interesting because that means... That either Jesus is playing a fun game, which he may have done, because Jesus is fun, God is still fun. Do you know that? Anybody know that? Has God ever unravel un, like, a mystery to you just to show you that he's not a boring God? And he's still God. I mean, at the end of the day, he's God on a throne. He, like, I'll drop to my knees, I'll put my face on the ground and worship him. He's God. But with that said, if we will enter into a friendship with him, he's also fun. You realize anything that's been created, right? I mean, the, the devil takes it and turns humor into something gross. But humor doesn't have to be gross, right? Fun doesn't have to be uh, evil pleasure, does it? God is fun. God is funny. And God has said funny, many funny things to me. God has done many funny things, and I just laugh. And what it ends up doing is it makes me look to him and say, Wow, what a good God we serve. It's not just a fun moment that I just say, okay, and we move on like the world can give, but there's this depth to it, right? So Jesus could have been just playing and having fun. I don't actually think that, I think, at this moment, because even though he's a Son of God, he's also in a human body, and he's looking for, the, he knew that he knew the power came out of him, but where's this woman? Which means that she drew this power out of him, she drew from him, and drew out of him without Jesus even knowing who it was that drew from him why does that matter it matters because what it shows us is that it's not one sided Our relationship with Jesus is not just everything that he can do for us, even though she did get something from him. And I talk about this all the time. It's such a hard concept for our human brains to get, how God can do 100% of everything, and you can't do anything, and you can't earn his grace, and you can't earn salvation, you can't earn his love, and yet we have to do, do, do. If you go through the word, I don't care what anybody says. You want to throw out the Old Testament, that's fine. The New Testament has over 500-plus commandments that he's given us. Everybody's like, oh, we're freed from the law. Well, What about the 500 plus things that they tell us to do in the New Testament? How do we do that? You know what Jesus says in John chapter 15? He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. So love is not a feeling. It's not a sense. It's not just, mm, he feels so good. I mean, you can have those things in your, in your, that human condition kind of like, you know, we like to feel That's fine if you want to feel, as long as that's not your basis. As long as that feeling matches the obedience that you have in real love to him. And so what this implies and what this shows is that there is a part, I don't want to say Jesus is standoffish, but there's a part that I really, I get, and I have the scripture to back it up. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I knock. I will not force my way in. I will make it abundantly clear that I'm the Lord, right? We know the verse John says right there, continues in John, that no one can come to him unless they're drawn. Well, some people say, well, then only some people are drawn. I think that's crazy. I think what he's trying to say is, don't worry, you can't do it. The Lord's drawing the world to him. Everyone's drawn. They just don't answer the drawing. Who didn't answer when the Lord called at least one point in your life? Don't raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, you're a liar, so I don't want the whole church to raise your hand and get your arm tired. It says, Then the frightened woman, verse 33, she was trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, and she came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her daughter, and I love that too. Don't you love how he's intimate? And he speaks to us like that. Imagine his heart. Imagine his eyes towards her right now. Just picture the Lord's eyes to you. Daughter or son, how much he loves you when he looks at you. And you have put your faith out there. This is what it is. Daughter, your faith. See, our faith is not just... My faith is that, uh, Lord... You know, we're praying for this nation, and we believe you. You know, that's this side of prayer. And faith is not just, Lord Jesus, I believe in you, so I believe that I'm going to be with you for eternity. But faith is so much deeper than using it to accomplish a task, and so much deeper than just believing that he's the Son of God and entering into that relationship with him, but that there is this thing within us if we will just realize it that is able to actually reach into to Jesus and bring a satisfaction now you're not taking anything from him that he's not willing to give you and that's not already there for you you can't get you can't go and get something from god you can't and again, I already said it, if you had the wrong motives, I can go to other verses, we just don't have time, but John tells us clearly, I think it's 1 John, I'm almost positive it's the first two chapters of 1 John, where he tells us, you know, it's, it's praying the Lord's will, and then in James we have also the verse that says you don't have, you're fighting, you're trying to war, you're trying to get, because you don't ask with the right motives, the right intentions, right, so it's the right motive, but with the heart after God, with the right motive, with this. And, and you know what happens when we love someone? Our motives and our intentions, it's solved. Right, real love, there is no ill motive. There is no ill intention. It says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I want us to realize something. She didn't have faith in faith. She didn't stand on her faith and said, I believe in faith that I'm healed. Her faith drew her to Jesus. She went to the source. I know this is such a fine line because we can be around Jesus and yet not touch him, and we can have faith and yet not realize that it's drawing from Jesus, that there's the source right there. It's such a fine line, but I say all the time that the entire Bible is fine lines. The entire word, you unravel the entire word, is just fine lines. It's such a fine line, and yet, where we're at in this moment, we need to realize right now Jesus standing right here. He has the answer we need. That's it. And it's the only answer we need. And that not only is he offering us eternal life one day. I know that maybe you're like, I I get it. But I don't think we get it. He's offering us life right now. Right this moment. I know when we're like, yeah, but we believe. You know, I, I feel like I'm talking to myself here. Like I hear Jesus talking to the crowd and they're like, Lord, we hear you. We understand you. And, and I've said this before, but it's kind of like talking to your kids about something or just someone who doesn't want to listen. But you're telling them and they're like, I know, I know, I know. And you're like, you understand the concept, but you don't know. I know you understand what I'm saying, but you don't understand what I mean yet. There's a depth in Jesus that he is offering to us. I'm just going to say that. I'm not going to say any more. There's a depth in him, and it's there for us. And the church is around Jesus right now, around the world. There is a church around Jesus, around the idea of Jesus, around the miracles of Jesus. And then there are a people that don't judge the crowd, but that say, I don't want to just be around him. I want to grab hold of that depth of him. I want to truly, truly know him. And honestly, that's the only way that you could possibly be sitting in a prison cell, chained up, and still worship God. Amen. We just thank you, Lord God, for this word. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are so real, And I just pray, God, I pray you plant this word, just like your word says, like a good seed, Lord, in good soil. Lord, deep down in us, I pray that our hearts, Lord, would grab a hold of the seed and keep it down, Lord, inside of us and let it grow into life within us. In the name of Jesus. Amen.